All right, guys, so hey, welcome everyone. We're going to get started. The meeting is called to order. Commissioner Shah, I believe somebody should be joining us. So we'll go ahead and get started. So, how about we have the Pledge of Allegiance led by Mr. Collins? Pledge of Allegiance to the flag the nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right. We will now have our safety minute from uh, Sheree Bynum, which will our safety coordinator. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <It's not laughs> so today, I want to share the importance of an automated external defibrillator, also known as the AED. Um, I'm sure many of you all heard about the football player in Buffalo that collapsed on the field and because of the AED assistance, it saved his life. AEDs are used to revive someone from sudden cardiac arrest. This usually occurs when a disruption in the heart's electrical activity causes a dangerously fast heartbeat or fast or irregular heartbeat. Either of these irregular heart rhythms keep the heart from pumping effectively and can cause it to stop. So when this happens, the brain and other vital organs don't get the blood and oxygen they need. This requires within minutes to prevent death. The sooner the heart's rhythm is restored, the greater the chance there won't be permanent damage to the brain and other organs. So AEDs can be found at work. We have one at each location of our facilities home schools and the majority of public places. I need a volunteer. <laughs> no, so we actually won't um, do a full demonstration, but this is an actual AD that we have in our facilities. So each defibrillator come with two packs of pads. Ours here at this facility are already attached. Some of them are not attached. The key thing that you need to know is that you literally press the on button, which is down here, and you listen. It's gonna provide you with everything you need to know. Um, we're actually gonna watch a demonstration, so I don't have to put it on anyone today, <laughs> to, to see a defibrillator in action. Reaching the patient, remove the lid of the AED Plus and turn it on. Follow the audio and visual prompts through each stage of the life support process. An LED light will indicate which step you should focus on. Check breathing. 
Look for rise and fall of the victim's chest. Listen for effective breathing coming from the nose or mouth. If desired, the lid of the AED Plus can be placed behind the victim's shoulders. This will help support and maintain an open airway. However, you should not use the lid as a support if you suspect the victim has a spinal injury. Attach defib pads to patient's bare chest. Use the scissors from the ready kit to cut the victim's clothing to expose their bare chest. Tear open the electrode pack and unfold the electrode pads. The CPRD pads are one-piece pads that are easy to place. Using the sensor's crosshairs to guide you, align the CPR landmark between the victim's nipples and the middle of their breastbone. Press the CPR landmark with your right hand and pull the number two tab to peel the protective backing from the electrode. Press the electrode from the center out to make sure it adheres properly to the victim's skin. Repeat the action on the lower pad marked with the number three tab. If the patient is large, you will need to tear away the lower pad at the perforated line and extend it before pulling the number three tab. Instructions on the electrode pack remind you how to attach the electrodes to the victim. Once the pads are applied, the AED Plus will automatically analyze the victim's heart rhythm. Analyzing. You should not touch the patient at this point, and the AED Plus will remind you of this. Don't touch patient. Analyzing. In some situations, the early stages of the life support process may have been started before you arrive with the AED. In this instance, you can attach the electrode pads to the chest prior to switching on the AED+. After powering on, the AED will jump straight to the analysis stage in order to save time. This enables you to deliver therapy and CPR treatment faster. Don't be afraid to use a defibrillator. Um, they typically give a 70% survival rate, greater chances of when the defibrillator is used than just CPR. The quicker the AED is used, the quicker um, the chances of the person surviving. But the one thing you wanna remember is to always have somebody call for help as well, because just using the defibrillator, you don't have help on the ways to feed the purpose. So don't be afraid to use it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> Hopefully none of you will ever have to use it, but now that you don't have, you don't have to. So uh, hey, so come in. Uh, item number four, we want to remember, of course, our great commissioner, Mr. Ricky Mays. So at this point, I'll turn it over to our leader, Mr. Williams. Yes, um, I would like to say, um, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge uh, the passing of our commissioner, uh, Richard Mays Jr., um, to us known as Ricky. Um, he had a dis uh, distinction of being the longest serving commissioner um, he had served chair uh, four years, as well as um, he had served as a commissioner for 13 years. He provided the leadership and dedication to our commission, um, uh, for our commission and the residents of Little Rock. Uh, for me, he was an outstanding leader, the community, as well as he would be willing to help anyone any way possible. 
also for me, he was a friend. Uh, and so today we have um, his sister, uh, attorney Tiffany Mays, um, and I'd like to invite her to receive recognition in his memory. Um, and uh, it says, uh, in memory of uh, Commissioner Richard uh, Mays Jr. for 13 years of leadership and dedication uh, to Little Rock Water Reclamation and to the residents of Little Rock. If you don't mind coming up, uh, Tiffany. All right, item number five, we wanna have a service award presentation. Myron um, Welch will present an employee service award. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Today, I've had the privilege of sharing a 20 year commitment, Scotty Gilbert. Please help me congratulate him in the 20 years of service. This gentleman here I'll talk about today will not be able to do justice to the kind of employee and individual that you hear about today. I always try to keep it, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, Scotty started his career with the organization on 20, uh, January 21st of 2023. He was a young buck back then. Mm -hmm. uh, as, the as a utility worker, he made his way, his current role in construction of a service line inspector in the engineering department, where he has a huge part in multiple projects, such as the FEMA, FEMA projects that you've seen, the Fush Creek embankment, the collection systems, and the large and small, small diameter programs. I have, walked, I have worked with Scotty on many jobs and projects throughout the years, and it is always a joy beside him. And a couple of them have, I have seen the sun come up with this gentleman. Uh, believe me, those nights sometimes would be long if you didn't have good people around you. Uh, I have also seen how passionate he is towards the uh, Little Rock ratepayers, and this sometimes I feel organization continues to be proud of him. And in his time off, he enjoys hunting and fishing and spending uh, spending time with his kids with his newly purchased side by side. <laughs> you know, I'd like to borrow that one. <laughs> Scotty has deep respect for others and has been an inspiration for me and and always to other employees who have worked beside him and over the years. He is a fantastic person have an, and have all, all around and it's great privilege to for me to work with him and to be my friend. Congratulations, Scotty, and look forward to working with you for many more years to come. Over here, Scotty. Scotty, you were too young to be asleep. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
right, item number uh, six meetings of the December 14th meeting. Uh, is there any objection to approving the minutes of the December the 14th, 2022 meeting? Hearing no objection, the minutes are approved as all right. Uh, February commission date change. Uh, Greg Ramon will make a proposal concerning our February meeting. Yeah, uh, Chairman Hightower, Commissioners, um, I'm uh, unfortunately due to uh, scheduling conflicts, I would ask that uh, uh, I propose that the change uh, be uh, the, the date of the change be from the 15th of February to the 22nd of February. So the meeting date would be the 22nd of February. Um, if that meets with the commission's approval. We have a second. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, sir. All right. Any public comments? No, sir. Thank you. All right. Item number nine, a professional service amendment. Uh, Tanya Wallace will present a professional service contract amendment. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We have a request for amendment of professional services contract for the large Danvers sewer main assessment and repair. I wanted to include this map for you to so I could show you of the 130 miles of pipe that we inspected the consultant. This is how they broke it down to see how they would inspect. So each color is a task and it shows you it may jump to certain areas, but this is our large damage system from 18 inch to 60 inch pipe throughout the city. The previous actions, we came before you for a professional service contract for Arcadis to be funded um, by RLF 13 and RLF 15. Those were the years for 2018 and 2020. We had approved a SEPA for access roads. This would help us to where we could get, do this in 2016 and get the equipment for the assessment down to certain locations. And then we had a SEPA amendment for Arcadis for the large diameter in 2017. That would get us going with our assessment. And then a SEPA change order for the RLF 15 in 2020. And that would finish the assessment and help us with repairs. As of today, we have approved the 2023 large diameter budget of $5 million. Arcadis is requesting 2023 amendment in the amount of $1,095,000. As you can see, the engineering fees make up $740,000, which would support a $5 million project. Within those engineering fees of $740,000, they will help us to maintain the large diameter dashboard. They will uh, produce plans and specifications for nearly two miles of rehabilitation. This rehabilitation was identified on our dashboard to be repaired in 2023. <laughs> that also goes along with 
we need the construction administration and the construction inspection. This contract with Arcadis is a little unique because it does have a construction activity aspect to it and where they can go in and do some minor inspection and assessment as we come across maybe some excess debris throughout the year and if they can do some minor repairs as well. We feel that that $740,000 worth of engineering fees that supports the $5 million project is within range. Wanted to go ahead and show you what will make up the rest of the $5 million and that is the nearly two miles of pipe that will be, we will bid this out and it is a, right now a project estimate of $3.9 million. It is in the southeast area of Little Rock south of I-30, but east of Scott Hamilton. For future commission items, this is the only thing we expect to bring back at this time is a recommendation of award for construction for that project area I just showed you on that map. Are there any questions moving forward? When you say the only, you mean for 2023 or as we? Yes, and we are developing the plans and specifications for that project area, mm -hmm. and then we'll put it on the street and bid it out, and then we would come back before you with a recommendation of award to a contractor this year. And they'll facilitate that as well. They will. This, as part of this work. That is correct. Yeah. The design bid and construction administration. All that falls under the seven point. That is correct. Yeah. So this amendment, we did we anticipate these fees? Yeah, we um anticipated in order to move forward with our 2023 year, we would have to come back before the commission because the previous money was spent on all of the assessment and what repairs we had already made. So that that started back in 2018. Okay. So there'll be there'll be something similar to this for every year. Uh, there'll be a, a lines identified that would need to be repaired that would be placed in the budget, and then there'll be engineering services that would be attached to those that would be going back each year. And that legend that we have on the previous map has shown the progress or so I think that legend, the big legend was which is where all the line sigmas were. Okay. You know, we developed a capital improvement plan that showed which ones we needed to do in the next five years, the next 10 years, and so forth and so on. We're just kind of following that roadmap. So we just they, we call these either our, our, our backbone system and or or our our um, trunk lines. And these are the deepest lines, these are the most expensive lines. Um, so for us. These are the lines we absolutely don't want to fail because they impact large portions of the city. Are any of these in conjunction with the proposed or anticipated growth of the city, or is it just strictly on the maintenance of our current system we have today and what's necessary to maintain? It? Yeah, this is just on maintenance of the current system. But but I would argue that the that the lines that 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 we do have lines that actually are sized to serve into the extraterritorial jurisdiction as well. Right. That, in other words, when we put a line in, we expect the basin, it, it to handle the basin, and some of these do. Not all of them, but some of them do. Well, and the only reason I ask, because of this area right here, it looks like that's yeah. a 
heavy growth area for business and residential communities in the little rock area. It's part of that road. Now. Is this southeast, right? Southeast. Yeah, it's, it's where baseline road ties into R Street, pretty mm -hmm. close. If yes. you're familiar with that area there. Oh, okay. So we'll start the center. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Now, this line, Todd, you help me if I'm if I misspeak, but this line kind of traverses around the city limits to the south and to the west. It ends up being at the Chico Road. Eventually, ends up at the Chico Road area. I think if that's that's. Um, but the the focus of this is this line is of age and it it's yeah. leads We're rehabilitation. Gotcha. Any other questions? All right. Uh, do I hear a motion to that effect? Second. Would you like me to read the oh, consideration? I'm sorry. I got a little hand in my seat. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. Yes, it's okay. Rookie mistake. Staff is requesting commission to authorize Greg Ramon to execute the professional service amendment with Arcadis US Incorporated for the engineering services of the large damage to remain assessment and repairs. Not to exceed one million ninety-five thousand dollars. Second. Second. Any opposed? Well, the motion passes. Thank you. All right. Item number ten: Annual Construction Contract Renewal. Terry Liston will present a contract renewal for infiltration and inflow reduction. That's me. Good afternoon. And I hope you guys had the happiest of holidays and the 2023 year is treating you well. Of course, with the turning of a new year, brings some of our contract renewals and opens up the budget for some of our new projects. For today, we have a contract renewal for our test and seal or what we call grouting contractor. This contract is one that we will continue to help us close that loop on our CAO or consent administrative order compliance by further tightening up our collection system, reducing our inflow and infiltration, and continuing in our efforts to minimize overflows. So without further ado, we will jump right into it. And as always, we'll cover our background, project next steps, and our request. Uh, here's just a map depiction of where in the city you may see some of this work being performed. As you can see, we've been sort of near the north central to northwestern portion of our service area. And then the two lower sections there are the Benny Craig Park and I-30 baseline sections that we added back in August of 2022 that we will also continue to perform this work in. Done leading up into this contract renewal, we brought you the SEPA to be approved in 2019, which began some of the investigative work so that we could identify areas that needed to be rehabilitated. Next, we bid the project and recommended award to Gulf Coast Underground a year later to begin that rehabilitation work. And then we amended the SEPA to include more funds for this work in August of 2020. In addition, uh, here's just an overview of our objective. The objective of this renewal is to further tighten up the collection system by utilizing this test and seal or grouting method. This method proves to be effective and is less expensive method as it compares to others, saving up to 50% more of the cost of other rehab methods. This is because the method utilizes a pointed repair method. So rather than repairing and rehabbing an entire line, we're able to go in and hone in on specific areas in that pipe that are damaged and just repair those, those areas. These efforts are of course, to further ensure our compliance with the consent administrative order. 
And then just a little bit about this specific renewal. This is an annual renewable contract. This is the third renewable renewal for this particular one, but only the first time that you are seeing it. The reason being that previous renewals have been minimal increases as compared to the original contract price. However, with rising increases that we are seeing in market prices across the board right now, uh, this year we're at approximately 18% of an increase to the, um, to the contract price. These are unit prices. And we do not anticipate that this will, uh, there will be any further contract renewals. Which leads to no further commission actions. Would you like to go ahead and approve it now and motion, or did you want to get a request? Almost okay. <laughs> Chairman uh, Hightower, commissioners. I, <clears throat> so this is a, this is a project that you, I mean we've got so many different types of rehabilitation, and and we we look at different ones based on the need. And in this particular case, I would imagine the majority of the pipes are good. It's the joints that are leaking, and so it actually goes in and seals the joints because the rest of the pipe is in fairly decent shape. So uh, you see, we, we have cast, you know, the, the uh, pipe bursting that we use, we have the cast in place that we use, and this is just one more mechanism to seal the pipe from, from uh, either internal or external leakage. Actually, I tend to spend a little time with the Gulf Coast crew one day. They like to fell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, any other questions? All right. Moving into our request, today's request is for commission to accept the unit prices submitted by Gulf Coast Underground and to authorize the CEO to negotiate and execute the contract renewal for the infiltration and inflow reduction program contract for test and seal. Do I hear a motion to that effect? I'll move. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor, say aye. Any opposed? Aye. Motion here. Thanks. All right, item number 11, a resolution of intent for revolving loan fund application. Mr. Michael Rowland will present a resolution of intent for issuance of bonds. Thank you, Chairman, for my first ask today. I'd like to talk to the commission about um, our intent to issue Arkansas revolving loan funds as we head into the new year. Uh, this first resolution will deal with our intent to issue and we would like to seek approval from the Arkansas Natural Resources Division for financial assistance from the revolving loan fund for up to $65 million. These funds will be used to uh, fund our capital program between the years of 2024 and 2026. If you'll recall back to the 2023 budget presentation, uh, 2024 through 2026 years, we were looking to spend about 75, 78 million dollars in uh, capital investments, of which about 25 to 30 percent will be funded through our rates, and we have to borrow the remaining um, 75 to 80 uh, percent of that money. And the reason we're pursuing it now is we've been working with ANRD. And they have said that as long as we catch them before they have to go back out to the market and raise money, they will extend their current 30 year rate, which is two and a quarter percent. Um, they let us know in December that if we didn't have our request in in time for their March commission meeting, that uh, we would likely be facing a higher interest rate. 
And in order to get that request in for their March meeting, we need to have it to them by the end of this month. So we feel like it's a good move to, to move early and at least get the process started to secure the two and a quarter percent lower rate. And um, as you know, we will continue in the future to have the need to raise money every two, three, four years to supplement uh, the cash that we get from our revenues to complete our um, capital investment program. Can you talk a little bit about what the money will be used for, or you have just just so that? Yeah, sure can. <laughs> got it right if here. I, if I saw all this, I'm sure I keep going. I got it right here next to my needle nose pliers. So. Um, you know, our program over the next three years is about $76 million. It moves a little bit here and there. Um, the biggest component is um, a large bucket that we call other. It has to do with um, sludge dewatering, uh, blower replacements, biosolid optimization, um, a lot of work in the treatment plants themselves. We look at spending about uh, investing about $7 million in our pump stations. Um, we've got um, our large diameter program that Tanya just spoke about over the next uh, three years, starting in 2024. We look to spend about four to five million a year. So that's another 12 to $15 million. Our trenchless renewal program uh, runs at about 3 million a year. So that's about 9 million. So there's, um, it's really just the ongoing maintenance of the system that we spent the last 20 years improving. And in this time frame, there are no big single um, unusual items, if you will, Greg. It's it's roughly a 20 to $25 million a year annual spend, which we believe will be pretty normal going forward post CAO, no, somewhere no. in that 20 to 25 million range. Yes, that was my, more my question was, how does this look in line with our past or previous? This is what 23 23 24 through 26. 26. Oh, yeah. So, that previous three years is really much in line with what we spent over the last three, or is it on these kinds of items? Yes. Yeah. What we don't have in these items is the larger improvement projects to complete the CAO requirements. So, you know, our annual capital spend has been significantly higher than 25 million. Um, over the past, since I've been here. It's, it's and now we're 40 to 60 million, yeah. right around there. Yeah, I mean, this year, I think it was 34-ish uh, in 2022. Right. I'm remembering off the top of my head correctly. But that was on the low side compared to the last couple of years. So, good question. Any further questions? Okay. So today we are uh, requesting that um, the commission approve resolution number 2023-01, which is a resolution declaring the intent of the Little Rock Water Reclamation Commission for the issuance of certain Arkansas Development Finance Authority bonds and to advance funds to pay the cost of sewer facilities installations at certain areas within the city of Little Rock, Arkansas, with the funds to be reimbursed by loan proceeds from the tax-exempt Arkansas Development Finance Authority bonds. That's a mouthful. 
Okay, do I hear a motion to approve resolution number 2023-0? So Second. Second. Any other questions? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passed. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Item 12, resolution of signature authority for revolving loan fund application. Mr. Weber will present a resolution designating signatory agents. So this is really just an add-on to the intent resolution. And this particular resolution, which is 202302, is a resolution that would grant signatory, signatory authority to Greg, Ramon, Howell Anderson, myself, and John Holloway to act as signatory agents on behalf of the Little Rock Water Reclamation Commission. And this would be done to sign loan agreements, applications, and any other documents required to complete the financing project. Questions? I wonder why we just have to do this right now on this project. I don't remember having a signature authority before. Well, because we have to sign documents. For these loans, it, it, we've always had to do this. Yeah. Yeah. We do these two processes up front and then we come back later and review the, the facilities plan and request to go before the city. Um, to That's usually the way the process works. And that'll, that second part will probably happen in the third quarter this year where we'll look to go to the city and we'll follow up with the detailed facilities plan and what we're going to do with with the money and how much we intend to borrow. I guess I just figured you yeah. had like automatic signature. And then the last one was done, what, two years ago? Two years, years ago. He has automatic But not in a world of ANRD. It, yeah. it has to be attached to each loan. Yeah. Okay. So today we're requesting that the commission approve resolution 2023-02, which is a resolution designating signatory authority agents of the Little Rock Water Reclamation Commission to make application for assistance under public law 100-4 in the Arkansas Revolving Loan Fund and to sign the acceptance and any other required document related thereto. Do I have a motion to approve resolution number 2023-02? So moved. A second? Second. Are there any other questions? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you, sir. All right. Item number 13, resolution of approval to pursue restructuring of certain ANRD bonds. Mr. Rota will present a resolution to approve restructuring of five revolving loan funds. So we talked a little bit in the past about our intent to refinance our ANRD loans to help us with what we have called the debt cliff where our debt service is significantly higher for the next 12 to 13 years and then gets significantly lower in the middle part of the next decade. We've done a lot of work on analysis over 2022 and have been working with ANRD as to how to accomplish this. And so that's what I'm here to talk about today. We are seeking approval from the Arkansas Natural Resources Division to restructure via a bond swap certain bond series for a total of $221.4 million 
with the following principal amounts that will be set as of October 15th. As you'll recall, we're in the last year of our three-year principal deferral. So these principal balances haven't moved since we entered COVID because they suspended our principal payments for three years. So um, these particular series of bonds have various interest rates that are higher than the interest rate that ANRD will offer us if we roll them all together and refinance them and extend the period. So we've got a total of five bonds that have been issued over the last 10 years. The outstanding principal is 221.4 million. The first principal and interest payment on this restructuring will be due in April of 2024. So we're way out in front of this one as well. And the purpose of the bond swap is twofold. By doing this, we reduce our debt service costs by 1.6 million annually from 2024 through 2036. So for 13 years, you know, we save over $20 million in cash um, that, we, uh, that will help relieve the pressure that we're gonna face when we need to go in for our next rate increase. And in total over the 30 year period, starting in 2024 and maturing in 2053, we reduced the total debt service cost by 1.7 million. So it's not like we're saving on the front end, but paying on the back end. Our overall spend on paying back the $221 million will be roughly 2 million less over the 30 years than it would be if we did nothing. <clears throat> the bond swap interest rate on the new issue is two and a quarter percent compared to the average weighted average of um, those five series today, which is 2.65%. So we're getting um, 400 basis points of relief on the, on the refinance. And this does not need to go before their commission. They've taken it to their regional office already and gotten approval. Um, we just need to do it by the time the, uh, before the end of the fourth quarter so that everything's in place um, as of October 15th. So can I just say, commissioners, um, you know, we, we try to do everything we can to um, obviously not infect our residents. And uh, we have a very strong working relationship with KNRD. And when, when we go to them with some of our um, either questions or concerns, um, they have worked extremely hard uh, to try to meet us at some point. And this is just a perfect example of that. I mean, obviously, um, interest rates are going up everywhere, and it seems kind of odd or counterintuitive that we would be refinancing when interest rates are going up. But these are really the existing interest rates they had even before there was this, this increase in, in rates. Um, and so taking advantage of them is, is just a tremendous thing to do. Um, when we look at the, at the ability to, to have an additional $20 million in the next 13 years, that's just a, that's great for, for the utility. It's great for the citizens. So. Just wanted to say that. So, model always asks uh, something too good is always. Something <laughs> yeah, so, do we have any risk there? I mean, because this just seems like such a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. This really, there's no risk. This is just taking advantage of the lower rate they have today to offset the higher rate on the loans that we took out, you know, starting 10 years ago. And they were willing to restructure these loans and extend the period. Um, you know, the 2013 series, which I think is the oldest, 
if we didn't do anything, it would mature in 2043. Right. So they're extending that period 10 years for us, which is unusual for them. They typically don't like to go beyond 30 years. We worked with them to show them not just the useful life of these assets that were financed, but the expected life, which is much longer than the published useful life. And they felt comfortable when they threw all of the assets that we financed, the 221 million, that they're gonna last well beyond the 2053 timeframe. And so they were willing to offer us the lower rate, which as Greg said, you know, it's a win-win because not only do we save in the next 13 years, but we even save over the course of 30 years. There were three loans that we left out of this. We do have three other loans with um, ANRD. One's a 2007, one's a 2009, and then the FEMA loan. And if we had included those, the numbers would have gone the other way. We'd have paid for that. And simply because they were shorter term loans, so the rates are lower, mm -hmm. and we would have been extending the period significantly longer than those loans are going to pay off to begin with. So we're leaving those out of here. Which speaks again to what you're saying with the work that you guys do with ANRD that allows them that flexibility. That really speaks volume for uh, the entire team here. Hey, last question. Um, so this one is automatically, this does not have to go at, as 01, 2023 01 has to go before the board. This will have to go before the city as well because we're changing the terms well, of the, both of the existing. Okay. okay. Yep. Any other questions? And we're hoping to take them at the same time, you know, all of this, so we don't wear out our welcome over there. <laughs> yeah, they have a few. Water is the smart man. <laughs> Any other questions? Is it, this might not matter, is it an ANRC bond or is it an AFA bond or is it the same? Think of it, it's the same basically, but the way I understand it, AFA is like the bank, ANRC yeah. is the you know, the, the commission that we work with yeah. to get it, but they, they get their money from that. Right. All right. So today we're requesting the commission to approve resolution 2023-03, which is a resolution approving the restructuring of five city of Little Rock, Arkansas revenue bonds secured by revenues of the water reclamation system and issued as part of the state clean water revolving loan fund program. Do I have a motion to that effect? That moved. Second. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Thank you. See you short. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Item number 14 purchase authorization to replace one pump at our street pump station. Amber Yates will present a purchase authorization for a pump at Arch Street Pump Station. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Chairperson uh, Hightower and Commissioners. Um, this is a purchase authorization for um, to replace one pump at Arch Street Pump Station. And to show you on a map where it's located kind of in, in relation to everything else, um, we've got that depicted up there for you, but this pump station is the main pump station that delivers wastewater to our Fish Creek Water Reclamation Facility. And this pump station was originally built at the same time as the um, Water Reclamation Facility in order to help with the collection system construction piece in 1983. And first, let's go over what are pumps. So um, our system runs on gravity and it's great when things are 
the topography is going downhill, but um, when it, we have to pump wastewater over long distances or uphills, pumps are used to do this. This uh, pump replacement is a 2023 budgeted item. Uh, Arch Street has a total of five pumps that were installed in 2010, and these pumps have very, very long lead times, um, especially right now. Um, so, you know, we had to get together a schedule of replacement and put that in place. And if you're having a little bit of, of deja vu, um, that is because we did bring um, a replacement last year to you for the first of five pumps. This is for the second of five pumps. And then the other three are budgeted to be replaced in the future. So we kind of have it on a, on a schedule. This pump that is being replaced has been rebuilt and, and is near the end of its useful life. And all five pumps do need to be operational during a heavy rain event. Some more background information for you. Um, Arch Street is standardized with one brand and type of pump. So with that standardization, there's some current infrastructure that's in place that's specifically designed for these pumps. And if a different pump were purchased, it would add significant cost to the product uh, to the project because there'd be some major modifications that would have to be made um, in the seating, the and the piping, and the pump seating. So <clears throat> staying with one brand of pump for the entire pump station, you know, it, it uh, reduces inventory carrying costs and it also um, you know, eliminates the need for these major modifications that we would have to make that that uh, to to facilitate having a different pump in place. So the pumps that are currently in place are Fairbanks Morse, and um, there's a picture of it on the right, so you can see just how huge this thing is. Um, and the only the only place to buy this pump is from Instrument and Supply. They're the the sole designated the the vendor of Fairbanks Morris or the, the manufacturer of Fairbanks Morse has designated instrument supply is the only place that we can get this from. That's their, their authorized sales representative in the state of Arkansas. So I'll pause here to see if anybody has any questions on this. So the one pro is also a comment. The pro is that we have that standardization kind is only one person sells it to us. So is that, is that a concern? I mean, do we that's, need to look at that's that? pretty common. When depending on the on the on the pump manufacturers, they, they go by region, mm -hmm. and so because we've chosen to stick with the same company, if we opened it up, then potentially then there would be four or five that would that would bid on it, but then we would have to do quite a bit of modifications to get other pumps there. The other nice thing about having consistency if we then we have parts for one pump and we got parts for five pumps because they're all the same. And so that's that's the goal of, of keeping the consistency. Yeah. <laughs> Being that this place, there's one pump manufacturer that handles this region. They also for know this particular pump. Yeah, they only make this pump nationwide, or I mean, the other vendors sell it. Also. They make it nationwide, but but the other vendors are it's based it's based on on areas of the, of the country that they serve. So in this case. Instrument supply serves the Arkansas area, and that's who we are yeah. required. And to. if we were to call another vendor, like in California or something, they would be like, I, I can't, this this is my region, you're not in my region, I have to direct you to yeah. this vendor that is that services your region. 
Yeah, it, um, okay. No. Any other questions? I mean, I think I think we need to add that we 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 watch. It's not like a blank check, right? right. We we know what these pumps should cost, um, and we would know when the price for the pump exceeds these modifications that we might make. These are submersible pumps. I don't know. They actually sit down in the wastewater, so they have to mate up against the piping that's below the level of the wastewater. So there's pretty significant modifications that would have to be done to change pump manufacturers. But we we know all that and we know what's reasonable. And if the pricing is not reasonable, then we start looking at the modifications and, and go that route. And they know they know we do that as well. So I don't I don't want it to feel like it's a total blank check here because it's not. No, I, I don't think it's that. I just think in other industries, which this is not a this has been a common practice in other it industries is. nationwide. Yeah. Now there's just mm -hmm. there's conform and there's changes that's taking place where if you allow this to happen, even if it's certain vendors on a regional basis, there could be some pricing that could be fixed to where it avoids competition, avoids other vendors. This that was my thought, but you guys I know take a look at that and make sure everything came on. So that's just my question. Any other questions? Yeah, um, so staff's requesting for the commission to approve the purchase authorization for the replacement of one pump at Arch Street Pump Station for three hundred and six thousand one hundred and eighty-seven dollars. And to authorize the CEO to enter into a contract with In Instruments and Supply Inc. Do I have a motion to that effect? Second. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Item number 15, Human Resources Highlights. Naomi Roundtree will present highlights of the Human Resources Department. I will, and I'm excited to do so. I didn't get an opportunity to get in front of you guys much last year, so I can't wait to share all the good things that we've been busy doing, and I'll try to keep my enthusiasm in check and in minutes. So I do want to highlight my team. Um, I do have Wendy Bacchus. She's our recent addition to HR. She started with us in November, and Wendy is in. <laughs> Unfortunately, Karen was unable to join us, but she. I just wanted to share that they've both been instrumental in getting our department just moving and grooving, and just the enthusiasm and just the quality of experience and education that they bring to the table is such a great uh, wealth of, of knowledge for us. And uh, we, as a department, report to Jean. And um, okay, so we have a ton of things that we've been doing this year. We have primarily focused on efficiencies, compliance and equity, professional development and community involvement. And I'm gonna share a couple examples of those for the past year. So I will go through it a little bit quickly. By all means, stop me if there's any questions. Um, so we've implemented some new initiatives, um, including standardizing our offer letters. Prior to coming on board, we did not actually put in offer letters. So when we have new hires that come in, we actually um, document exactly what's been offered and all the great stuff that they're going to get. And they sign that whenever they come on board and it goes in their file. Uh, we've done the same thing with our onboarding process. Previously, we kind of did it ad hoc as we needed to. So what we've done is created something a little bit more standardized that has uh, specific dates and times and all that jazz. So it just makes it a little bit smoother and there's more um, opportunities for different departments to participate as well. 
And we market our employee benefits with a focus on retention. So it, it is not overly complicated to get someone in the door. You know, sometimes certain positions can be, but we really want our, our candidates to stay. And so it's really important for us that we talk about our culture. We talk about what these roles do, how we impact our community, what these roles, no matter what you do, have an impact on our community and our, our utility as a whole. And so when we do our recruitment, we do make sure that we're conveying that culture and all those great things because we want people to stay. And so that's something that we've just really focused, it, focused heavily on. Um, we're in the process of revamping our SharePoint page. This was something that I did lead, but really comms, uh, communications, and IS have been really doing the heavy lifting of getting this page together. It's just prettier. It's just more user-friendly, and it just really just kind of takes us to that next level, and it's an internal resource mm -hmm. that we're going to be utilizing. So previously, we have, or we still do, we have an intranet for employees. We have our public website, and then we had our SharePoint page, which is kind of where all of our stuff lives, like our handbooks and our forms. And so it just, you know, as we talked about it, it made more sense to kind of consolidate that intranet and the SharePoint into something more engaging and more interacting and in one space. And so that is going to be rolling out in February, and we're very excited about that. Anita and her team has done an amazing job, and so has Patrick. Um, Implementing the new finance enterprise system, that's another thing that we, we had a part in on the HR part. And our focus primarily with that was setting up employees. It is streamlining information and access to information, uh, payroll entry, performance management workflows, just trying to create some efficiencies around a lot of that operational piece that we do. In HR, we're very analytical and very data-oriented, right? Everything we do is based on data, a lot of reporting and things that we need to be able to do. And we need to manage that data appropriately and easily and not overcomplicate it. And so implementing FE has assisted in that process. Any questions about any of that? I know I went through it really fast. I'm like super excited about it. I, I could wax poetic about HR all day. I know you're not that interested, but stop me if you have questions. So our focus on compliance and equity, um, one of the things I noticed when, it, when we came in is we had a handful of employees who were not qualifying for our HSA. And our HSA is a huge benefit, especially with a high deductible plan. So I did approach leadership and say, hey, is there any way we can at least offer a secondary option? So if they can't get approved in this, this particular bank, maybe they, know they have another option. And I'm really excited to say that we went through open enrollment and some of those individuals who did not qualify for account got one this year and they were super stoked about it. So I was, I really felt that we had a, an equity issue there. We have revamped our FMLA and ADA administration practices. So that's your Family Leave Act and your uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. Just making sure we're compliant, making sure we're doing all the things that we need to do. Uh, we also completed a non-exempt pay study in 2022, which was implemented in 2023. So it makes sure that our pay rates and what we're offering our employees are competitive. We are currently update, updating our job descriptions to add physical and environmental requirements. We just don't actually have that on there. So if you have an individual who may go out on leave, they need to have those qualifications so that doctors can say, hey, yes, Naomi can come back to work because you've outlined what's required from a physical and environmental aspect for her to be able to come back and do her job appropriately. So that's going to be a project that I continue to work with safety on through the rest of this year. So a focus on professional development, we offer uh, monthly supervisor meetings. 
Uh, this year, we asked for their input and asked for topics that they would be interested in. And so we've incorporated those in our 2023 schedule. And we also, uh, uh, I don't know if it's, yeah, every two months, I guess, we do professional development for our employees. And those topics kind of tag along with what we're doing for supervisors. So supervisors, we're talking about professional development. We're talking about leadership skills. We're talking about um, how to coach and manage in individuals and things of that nature. But we also want our employees to have exposure to those same topics because at some point they're going to grow and be in leadership positions as well. So it gives them a, a not quite the same depth as a leadership, but it does give them exposure. And we are also beginning the development of our first time supervisor training. We've definitely found that we have a gap and we definitely want to have those opportunities, not just for our, our higher leadership, but first time supervisors and those that are getting that first opportunity to lead. Um, we have continued, We've, we have um, led monthly trainings for our HR team, and this is so that my team can stay current on things that are happening, whether that's trends, whether that's compliance, whether that's changes with laws. Uh, we want to make sure that we're staying competitive, that we understand what's going on, you know, in the HR world. We are the people aspect of any business, and so we do need to stay current in what's going on. And so I think it's important that myself and my team are staying current in those topics as well. We are currently working on a senior leadership um, and development program for employees. Excuse me. We already have a leadership and development program. We are working on another um, option for that for other employees. And we are also, I think we've spoken about the first time supervisor training. So we had another big focus on community involvement. When I came into my role, I realized we weren't spending a lot of time on campus as an HR. We weren't spending a ton of time at professional organizations um, doing community events. Uh, now, communication does a ton of community events, but from an HR perspective, we really weren't out there marketing ourselves. And I found a lot of places didn't know who we, who we were, candidates didn't know who we were. So I thought it was really important that we start to engage. So those two flyers, uh, communications worked with me and we were able to um, coordinate with the Blueprint magazine. And they highlighted those are our actual employees on those flyers. They did interviews. And what that's geared towards is high school students. It's geared towards people who want to do a career change. And so it highlights the technical fields and the type of roles that we have within our organization. So people realize that that is an option for them and what they can do from an education perspective or an experience perspective to go into those careers. And it was really exciting to have our, our employees interviewed for their perspectives. How did you find yourself in this role? Why do you like this role? You know, those kind of things. So it was, it was really great. Um, we have also got on campus. Um, we actually have been on campus quite extensively. Let me look really quickly and I'll list them. So we've been at Arkansas Tech three events last year. One of them was STEM. We went to Harding. We have been to uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff twice. We have been to the University of Arkansas Little Rock three events. Uh, two in Fayetteville, one at the University of Central Arkansas as well. And we are also in uh, discussions with Shorter College and Diamond State Trade School. Uh, we did some volunteer work where we were doing mock interviews and resume review at the University of Fayetteville and their STEM and engineering groups. And I know Karen is really heavily involved in beautification efforts. And we've also done, uh, we did the VIP uh, reading to elementary schools. They were Ella Watson Elementary School. That was amazingly fun. 
So we're getting out there, we're working with communications for opportunities to be able to engage. Uh, you know, communication is an amazing job in connecting with our community. From an HR perspective, I want them to see who we are and know that we have jobs available. We also um, got involved with Strive, and I don't know how familiar you are with Strive, but it's an amazing program through the University of Arkansas and the state of Arkansas, where teachers come and work in their fields for about a month during the summer so they can take back that experience and apply it into their coursework with their students. And so we had two individuals, Ashley Stone and uh, Barrett Deming, and both of them were computer science with a background. Both of them taught at elementary schools and they did projects for us and they were quite successful in doing so. Uh, we actually have a, a group with them on Saturday where we get to get the feedback and all of that great stuff. But it allowed them to come in and see what we do and apply the things that they're teaching their students in a different way or in a real life application of a job. So students can then take that in turn and maybe it's a career choice. So some of the things that we're looking at moving forward is to continue reviewing and updating our employee evaluation forms. We've received a lot of really great feedback since these were revamped a couple of years ago. Sometimes it takes time working and using them to really kind of get a feel for what's working, what needs some tweaking. Uh, we will continue to review and update our employee handbook. And it's important to know that in HR, everything is pretty much a living document. So as laws change, as policy changes, as our culture and society changes, it requires us to continue to update these documents. Um, we're gonna be revamping our offboarding and exit interview process because I feel that process is just as important as bringing people on. They should have a good experience. They should walk out feeling better about it, good about it, regardless of the circumstances and have all the information they need to be able to move on and transition. And then we're looking to develop a robust wellness program uh, while working with an outside consultant. So that's all I have. Any questions? I know I went through that really fast. No, that's a great update. We, we heard last year so much about all the great work that you guys are doing HR. So kind of to give me specifics and some of the highlights is awesome to hear from you guys are busy. Very, very busy. Congratulations on the great job last year. Thanks. And commissioners, if I could, uh, I, I really just want to brag on the HR team. You've heard me say they're a small but mighty team. It's a team of three, but, um, you know, Namely has been on board as the leader for about 15 months and, and um, it's just a, I really can't overstate how much of that that she has been to the entire leadership team. Um, I, I think um, we, it's important to us that we create a culture that is uh, vibrant and that um, and and Naomi is a key role and the rest of the team play a key role in that. And so I really want to um, thank her and acknowledge her for her leadership of, of um, what you heard today. Thank you. Thank you. I was scared of the second our HR leaders named Naomi also, so I thought. Just ask, so where are we? It sounds like we're doing really great efforts, you know, and I would just commend you, Naomi, on identifying maybe some weaknesses or opportunities rather sure. and, or turning them into opportunities from, you know, <laughs> uh, retention, internal training, equity. But do you feel like, you know, while we're trying to address retention, what is the status of our, do we have a lot of open jobs that we're trying to fill or 
I think I think it's a mix. So we're coming from a time where we had very strong retention. We didn't have to take a lot of efforts to recruit. And you know, with COVID in the last couple of years, you know, that entire dynamic has changed. So while we have some turnover, it doesn't frighten me. It's not a frightening amount. It's a combination of tenured employees leaving. You know, there's a lot of retirements, right? And um, you know, it's a, an employees market, so it's very competitive. Um, so our job is to make sure that we're make we're staying current with our market. We understand the trends. We're talking to our sister agencies. We're talking to our groups. We're asking what other people are saying. And then when we're out there, we're marketing ourselves. We're making ourselves stand out. Why do you want to come work for us? Let me explain to you why you want to come work for us. Rather than just saying, go to the website, you'll find us. Mm -hmm. And so I think this year has been very um, pivotal for us to be on campus because beforehand, a lot of students had no idea who we were. So in 2022, when we went in spring and hit up, you know, UAFA and then all of these other places we've never been before, and then we were we were pretty obnoxious about our participation, <laughs> and then we came back in the fall and they're like, oh yeah, I remember you from the spring. So sometimes it does take some time, and to answer your question, it's kind of a mixed bag right now. I don't think that we're suffering. There are certain technicalities and certain roles that are a little bit harder to find. But we're doing all the things that we need to to make sure we're competitive and getting the right folks. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean. Oh. I was just thinking with the kind of in conjunction with Lauren's question because, you know, as we sit here, we know how much of this is requirement of experience and knowledge of, you know, our leadership team and being involved. You're a spring chicken, but you know, <laughs> I just look at our HR team. Be, all of like all of you guys have 27 years of service. So That's the magic number. I see. <laughs> but I just think about the current makeup of course, and as you guys look at that to make sure that because there's a standardization of all the training, the handbooks and things such as that that we didn't have before, but now. I think it helps as you do look forward to, okay, if we bring people in, do we have the standardization? Do we have a training program that doesn't require much, maybe on experience, but actually training? So how does that look from your roadmap that you're, that you're figuring for us for the, the years coming up? And does that have anything to play with how we're doing things or how we plan on doing things? I want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So all the infrastructure that we're creating, how does that apply to? Well, if you said the current workforce, does that look at the makeup of our workforce? Sure. Are we thinking about that? Because as you just mentioned, oh, sure. retirement is happening. We're going to get younger or not necessarily younger, but people maybe not as much experience as before. How does our makeup of handbooks, training, and all of that falls in line with what you're program. It does, and it's interesting that you say that because we recently had a training for professional development where we had uh, a, P a doctor come in and her topic was something aside, but she brought up generational differences. Mm -hmm. She brought up, you know, some really great aspects of, of how we process information differently, how I may approach my job differently than someone younger or someone older. And so those are definitely some things that we're looking to continue to, to look at and make sure we're staying current because we all do learn differently with age, experience, education, all of those things. So understanding our audience while keeping true to our culture, I think is really important. Um, so to your question, um, you know, it, it's it's a lens that we look through on everything that we do. One more thing, too, just in conjunction with it. I know the buzzword for the way I cry was that emotional intelligence. Sure. I think now cultural intelligence is something that I don't think a lot of companies look at because of the fact that with the different generational people coming in, but also the training, all the things required. How does that culture 
but you know, from the, the dynamics of mixing all the different cultures together, how does that create a new modern place and how does that work versus more of that emotional intelligence before? So just so, yeah, no, we've done not to interrupt, but we've actually done some training on appreciating differences mm -hmm. and it was well received. So um, you know, I don't have the answers to all of those sure. those dynamics, but it's definitely something that I think any HR department has to stay current with because as society, our views constantly change, how the laws dictate what we can and cannot do change, all of those things impact HR and how we tweak our policies or what trainings we offer or how we manage our culture. So um, so thank you for your time. But yeah, we we're uber focused on all of those things. Thank you. Thank you. I was just going to uh, tag along to what she said in response to your question. You know, for the six years that HR has fallen into me, um, I would say the average was about four to five vacancies at any one time. Last year, at this time, we hit about 12. We've normalized now back down to, you know, three to five. And so definitely seen the trend go back to what, what it always has been. So. It's a balancing act too. You got to figure out if the needs of the business dictates that you have to fill positions, or can it continue to go without necessarily the purchases? It is. It is. All right. We will now have uh, item number sixteen, December financial update. Mr. Rudder will present financials. All right, I'm back, and I'm honored because Kanita given me the pleasure to introduce the North Pole Ninja, as you see on this slide. The North Pole Ninja. Was I guess our version of Elf on a Shelf, yes. if you will, and he was uh, featured in our social media campaign throughout the month of December. He made the rounds at uh, various facilities. Looks like here he might be hanging out at the lab, and um, we're still waiting on the report as to whether we were naughty or nice. But um, we'll see if he makes a he or she uh, makes a return in uh, in the December of twenty. 23. So thanks, Kanita. Uh, so December financial results, we had $5.5 million of revenue. We exceeded budget again by $300,000. Year to date, we were at 66.4 million, which was 3.7 million ahead of our budget. Um, our 2023 budget for revenue is 67 million. So just up slightly from where we ended the year in uh, 2022, and it makes sense. We have no rate increases planned for 2023. Our operating expenses in the month of December were two and a half million, which was less than budget by 176,000. Year to date, we came in at 29.7 million or under budget by 1.2 million. And the primary driver of that under budget was what we were just talking about, staffing. Um, we had $1.1 million less in salary and benefits than we expected to have if we had been fully staffed. And that equates to, on the whole average, about 11 people because an average position across the entire 220 employee base salary and benefit comes out round numbers at $100,000. Now, that includes the higher level positions and the lower level positions. And so we know that we averaged more than 11 because there were far more lower level positions open throughout the year than there were higher level. But we were just talking about staffing. I think Gene said we were down 13 a year ago at this point, kind of on average. And those numbers jive with the way we, the way our budget turned out. 
December revenue, just a look, it continues to be uh, non-domestic commercial accounts drove the majority of the favorability. Although the domestic side was also up by 100,000 in the month of December. So it was kind of uh, both boats pulling the favorability. On operating expenses, <clears throat> we came in, said 175,000 less. There was nothing really in particular that stuck out salaries and benefits. Um, again, we're a large part of it. Supplies was a large part of it. Other than that, every item just kind of ran under budget a little bit. We track, um, continue to track the rolling 12 month average of water consumption and, you know, non-domestic continues to be uh, a high increase, 7.8% the 12 months <laughs> December 2022 over the 12 months ended December 2021. And, um, you know, you would think that perhaps with, um, <clears throat> and also, excuse me, on the domestic side, we're also up 1.2%, which, you know, you would think with the return to people going to work, uh, going back to the office as COVID kind of released, that, that that number might not have increased, but but it did. And um, we're entering the final couple months of winter consumption. We'll be calculating the average winter consumption for our domestic customer base here in the next couple months. And it'll be interesting to see how that compares on the whole with how we set average winter consumption a year ago. As we look at cash flow, we ended the, um, the year with $69.3 million, of which just under 60 million is in our uh, operating reserve, $9.4 million of restricted funds. We're running very comfortable when compared to our required reserve balance of 9.4 million, and we've got 59.9 million in it, and our bond coverage ratios at 161%, well above the 1.2% requirement. On the debt side, we um, borrowed another 1.5 million from RLF 2020A. We made a principal payment of 700,000. We end the year with just under 395 million in outstanding debt, and our December interest expense was $1 million. And that was pretty true throughout the course of the year. It ran at about a million dollars a month. So we closed the year strong. Now we enter a new year. And uh, now our goal is to meet budget. We're not expecting to blow away the budget every month. But if we do, you know, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll now have a, a legal update from Ms. Gina on the litigation side, nothing well, new litigation and no updates to report there. Um, in terms of the past month, uh, working very closely with uh, Naomi on, on HR goals for the year, on a couple of um, initiatives uh, around HR, uh, working on some engineering contracts at the start of the year. There's there's usually a handful of contracts that, are, um, that uh, I need to review. So this that's what I've been doing for two weeks. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, our item number 18, CEO monthly highlights, Mr. Murray. Right. Uh sure, Chairman, uh hi tower, uh, commissioners. I'll make this very brief. Um, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about our employees and the great work that they do because I'm I'm just so proud of them and I, I appreciate uh 
the level of effort certainly that they put back into the community. I think that's just an, that shows the uh, the the depth and and the uh, the strength of, of the organization when we when we give back to the community. Um, we were presented with a certificate of appreciation during the Little Rock School Board District Board meeting in December. The recognition was for our partnership with the Carver STEAM, and that would be science, technology, engineer. You can't forget about arts and math. Uh, elementary school. We partnered with Car Carver by providing uh, in-class presentations, hands-on demonstrations, participating in uh, reading and PTA events. Uh, and this past Christmas, employees purchased uh, ten uh, gifts for ten students who were part of the Angel Tree program at Carver. So very proud of, of the staff. Also, uh, if you if you go on to uh, Shackleford, so from where this building is all the way to Colonel Glen, that's the area that we volunteer to clean up uh, periodically. I think it's done on a quarterly basis, and uh, it, there's just a lot of trash out there, and uh, you know that includes tires plywood and, and a bunch of other interesting things that were picked up. Um, I'll say that the employees picked up an estimate 700 pounds of trash when they were out there. They actually had to call one of the end loaders to assist them uh, in, in dumping the material. <laughs> Wanted to talk about that. Uh, today we had several employees that participated in our blood drive. Uh, this is the first blood drive of the year. We generally have two and obviously it's, it goes with the Arkansas Blood Institute. I um, want to say that we will be uh, advertising for requests for qualifications uh, for public education and outreach contracts. Uh, the current contract is held by the design group. Um, it ends this year. Uh, we, we've got to go through the process to, to seek uh, new proposals. Uh, keep in mind that our communication team is a small team. And so when we need um, specific, specific talents that we don't have, this works out really, really well. Uh, really good for us. So uh, we'll be uh, uh, sending out notices for that. Um, also want to say that th we have now completed two years of no lost time. And I will say to you that uh, that's an amazing feat, especially for uh, a wastewater utility um, and the level of, of hazards that, that go along with that. So really proud of the folks. Um, I promised them that uh, we would purchase breakfast for them, so we will be doing that sometime next week, and uh, hopefully they're hungry. But uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, Chairman uh, Hightower, that's what I have. I'd like to continue with the February, uh, um, uh, if you're okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, as with every year, we, we, we will have the Sierra Club Settlement Compliance Report uh, to you, and that really is our report card for how we did uh, 2022 as part of our requirement with the Sierra Club. And so we'll be bringing that to you. We'll also be bringing a uh, recommendation of award for professional services. And this is for the pump station and force main. If you remember at the port, um, at the last meeting, we talked about uh, installing some about a mile of pipe and force main. That would be the contractor, that, or excuse me, the professional services uh, to uh, design that. Uh, recommendation of award for commercial real estate services. Um, we've talked in the past about uh, really needing to purchase farmland for our biosolids. It's one of the items that, that gets produced every day, whether we like it or not, and we just need to have more, more control over that. So uh, we'll be bringing that before you. Um, we'll be talking about something a little bit uh, different to you, and that would be water equity strategies. Um, the utility is already thinking about what, what, what is what are the next steps uh, after the consent administrative order 
and what is the utility going to really focus on. And so we'll be bringing that to you. And then we'll do a quick presentations on our uh, fat oils and grease, our, um, um, our, our slur program or the, uh, the sanitary sewer lateral replacement program, as well as the opportunity zone updates that we've been involved with. So we've got a lot of really good stuff to talk about. And that's our proposed uh, February uh, list. Great stuff. All right. Um, any old business? New business? All right. Our next meeting will be February the 22nd, 2023. Um, I see adjournment. Is there any objection to adjournment? 